Welcome to the Metalcore Church podcast, where if you hook a brother up with a cigarette, you probably belong here. But if you stingy with your cigarettes, it's best to find another place to to have church. <laughs> you know, if you if you give a cigarette to that one guy who who never has his own cigarettes. You probably are a good dude. And that's what we're looking for. Good dudes. So, let's kick this off. Uh, Let's pray. And then we'll talk about some new stuff. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. Um, I pray that uh, your word would reign true in my life. And that by the word of my testimony, that they will understand that you're real God and that that you're more than just real you 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 actually communicate in a very real way and not a phony baloney Christianese way and I thank you for that God and I pray that you use me to be a beacon of light for those who might be lost in this weird year and this weird time and this all this stuff going on and I just pray that I'll be a voice in the darkness that can lead them back to you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I feel like it would be fair to say that um, I feel like this is the, the third podcast I've done. And I just kind of rambled in the first two. And I, I hope maybe you guys got something, maybe a little bit about who I am and what this is about. But I decided that this third one, we're going to do like four, the next four podcasts are just going to probably be helping you get to know who I am and where I come from and kind of my mentality behind a couple of situations so that you guys would be very aware of who I am and and what I represent. And um, if we click, if you click with me, then uh, you're welcome to become a part of this. If you want to use this as ammunition to degrade me and to talk about how bad this church is and and how bad of a person I am and all and try to use all of this stuff against me and 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 prove that I'm a bad person, you you, you don't need much. <laughs> I'm a bad person, and uh, Jesus found me. And he cleaned me up, and and I sit here um, five years clean, clean and sober from drugs and alcohol, from cigarettes and cussing and weed and hanging out with the guys on the weekend and getting drunk. And uh, I'm I'm blessed to to be living clean, and my family um, let me come home, and and I'm I'm very very blessed, and uh, I hope that um, you can come to terms with God. And, and live blessed also, you know, I've, I've tried to force people into the faith because I'm tired of them being homeless and, and broke and just with nothing. And they just refuse and refuse and refuse God. And then, you know, the door would open for them to work somewhere and it didn't, they would be like, yes, I'm saved. And they wouldn't want to deal with any of their personal issues or they would bring the personal issues onto the workplace and there would be no job. So Let's jump right in. So, I am uh, one of four kids. My, I'm the oldest, so so, uh, my younger sister and my younger brother 
and his twin who passed away when she was eight. And then my mom got pregnant at a very young age and she married my stepdad when I was five. And uh, I want to talk about how how God found me and what led up to 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 me getting saved. And I think I think it's important that you understand my background because when I found out that uh, the lead singer Maddie Montgomery from For Today had never used drugs, I realized that he was not equipped to to lead the metalcore scene. He's a great pastor, and I love him very much, and I drove to Fresno to see him. I'm a big fan of the the band for today. But when I heard that, it, it was kind of shocking because I had thought that he had experienced the darkness of drug addiction and felt the hand of God, you know, reach down and rescue him from that life. And without that testimony... Um, it explains why he didn't go on to lead a metalcore church. He went to John, moved to Johnson, Tennessee, and they opened up a regular church um, to worship God there. And I always wondered in the back of my mind why they didn't take uh, the metalcore scene and um, become the the beacon of metalcore. I would have packed it up and moved to Johnson if it was if it was a metalcore church, but it ended up just being a regular church and. I think that God has his purpose and plan for Maddie Montgomery, but that's not us. We're going to be the the light in the darkness. So I uh, grew up, I, I don't know if I grew up anywhere, because if I say I grew up somewhere, I never really lived anywhere for more than two years. So I got to taste everywhere that I lived. So I lived in Oldell for a few years. I lived in Rosedale for a few years. I lived on the east side for a few years, the south side for a few years. I lived downtown for a few years. (laughs) So I've basically lived all over, but majority, you know, I moved, my mom moved me here when I was five. So I've lived here for almost 29 years in in the Bakersfield area, except for when I left to L.A. for rehab. So I've been here for quite some time. And uh, I've dealt with the racism here and the white supremacy here a lot more than I had hoped. Um, so basically, when I was really little, my mom would take us to church. And uh, I participated. I was young. I had fun. I participated in a Jesus play around Christmas time. I was one of the shepherds. And uh, God basically... You know, there was an opportunity during one of those classes where the teacher was like, hey, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart, raise your hand. And I raised my hand. I I mean, I just, you know, in my mind up to that point, I had to have been like nine or 10, maybe 11 at the most. And I remember raising my hand and saying yes to Jesus and uh, not fully understanding, but just understanding the fact that Jesus was good and he died on a cross. So, oh gosh, I dropped my phone. Um, in doing in doing that, give me one sec. I'm dropping everything right now. Uh, that moment, so I I was a pretty wild kid. I would had my head shaved and uh, 
I had a green mohawk. <laughs> it was pretty cool, but I, I actually wore it for a while when I was younger. And um, not to add, to add to the dissociation with normal kids my age, I was wearing a giant green mohawk. And uh, I got baptized at the River Lakes Church here in Bakersfield. And I, you know, that was where it started. I had good good group of friends. I don't think any of us really understood what it meant to be a Christian or if we were being Christian. We just hung out and played games and ate food. And I remember abruptly leaving the church where I gave my life to God um, shortly after finding out that my dad was stealing money from the offering plate. My mom would write a check and uh, he would pretend like he was going to put the money in the offering and he would pocket the money. So my mom finally found out and my parents got into a, a fight and uh, I was no longer a part of church. Or I may have been, we weren't a part of a church for a very long time until we moved into Quailwood where our neighbors introduced us to the life of Christianity, what it modeled Christianity for us and, and basically gave us um, the truth. They they allowed us to come over to their house for Bible study on Mondays, showed us about how to worship, and and did a good job. And I've been um, there's a lot that happened between that point and high school. I think it was 2005. Um, so high school was pretty wild. It was I had been bullied very badly but I, I even seen a picture of myself um from that era and I look pretty nerdy big shoes short shorts a shirt that didn't fit I didn't have my haircut every week every two weeks or every week what is the the fresh fade that that all the gangsters had at the schools I went because I was not upper class I was lower class so um I wasn't in the fresh fade and so everybody who had a fresh fade laughed at me for not having a fresh fade. That's why I got the long hair now. But um, there's there's a lot of backstory there. My parents, um, when I was 12, they divorced. And uh, I got really angry about the divorce. And uh, I think that led me into a very rebellious lifestyle with the divorce, and I, I sort of, I really didn't have rules growing up, I had rules, but not, I, I pretty much could do whatever I wanted, and I did whatever I wanted, we, I, I stayed away from the house for weeks on end, staying at friends' houses, and smoking weed, and cigarettes, and drinking before the age of 21, um, my 16th birthday party ended up being like a giant kegger without a keg, just bottles of hard liquor. And by the time I did turn 21, I had, I was, I was already in the process of getting clean. So it was, it was, or I think I was just entering cause I turned 18 and then 18, 19, 20, and 21, I was homeless and strung out, sleeping from couch to couch. And uh, in that 2000, that 2007 was the first time I walked through the doors of Teen Challenge. And 
um, it was just, it's hard to explain how my mind worked in the, in this situation. Like I liked to party and get high, but I had a, a, a wide group. It was about 30 of us and we all smoked weed and, and sold weed to each other. And then the inflow of money was high and, uh, I had a guy who was helping me sell weed and he would come over to the house in the morning and we were selling together and one night he's at the house and uh, I guess he we had a friend who was like did a line off the table and uh, the next like the next morning he came to get me for school he brought a line so up to that point I had never done hard drugs, nothing but weed and cigarettes and, and beer and, and like vodka. And, uh, it just opened up a new, a new lifestyle for me because I quickly enjoyed using methamphetamine and it took control of my life and it took control of the, the weed business and it's, it ciphered all the money out of that and it, removed me from that group because the guys who would smoke weed and back then were were heavily against people who used meth the two worlds were completely separated from each other and uh, i was pulled into a different type of lifestyle that controlled me greater and i was basically gone um, as soon as my mom said I couldn't smoke in the house, we got into it because I wanted to smoke cigarettes in my room and she said I needed to smoke outside from now on. And that didn't last very long before I had gone on a giant hiatus with a couple of friends and we traveled around in the dope scene, which was, which ended very badly because I went, I, when I was 18, my high school sweetheart and I were still together and we had just started sleeping together, so we were like really hypersexual at the time, and uh, incorporating the the methamphetamine use into that, it just went way south. We um, so my addiction basically brought her into it because she didn't want to leave me because of it, so she just jumped on board with everything that I was doing, and it was. It was bad, uh, fighting and and yelling and drugs and money and being kicked out and homeless. We ended up sleeping in her car, in a parking lot, and uh, I was canning every night, three night, all night long, and trading cans for food and drugs. I was homeless for it felt like a lot longer than two and a half years, but I. I did slept behind a dumpster, I slept in a broke down bus, I slept in my girlfriend's broke down car, and I slept on friends' couches as often as I could to stay afloat and ate a massive amount of ramen, even though I wasn't in jail, but the only food that my friends would ever offer was was top ramen, and it's definitely good to get out of the, the ramen and fast food diet plan when you're smoking cigarettes. It's good to have a nice meal. I say all this to say, like, God got a hold of me. Like, I knew God in my addiction most of the time. 
it was, I wasn't ignoring God. There were a lot of things that led up to me not wanting to participate in Christianity. And one of the things that really hurt was after my parents' divorce, I had started going to Valley Bible Fellowship here in town. And I remember there was a large group of very wealthy kids. Their parents um, all owned businesses. They lived in the um, Seven Oaks area here in Bakersfield. And they all clicked together because they all had money. So they all had the newest iPhones and the newest clothes and cars. And they would all meet up at each other's houses. And so when they went to church... Me and my friend were the outcasts, and my group was the segregated portion, and I wanted to continue my relationship with, with God by attending church and getting fed by the word that was being preached. So I kept going to church, and I kept bringing my best friend, and we met up with some other friends who were funny, and they were jokers, and we hung out, and we like... We weren't completely Christian, but, you know, we were young, and we were smoking cigarettes, and we would think it was funny to drink a few shots, and, and we'd hang out and drive crazy, and it was a good time. I remember that group, we weren't really accepted into church, but before I had really made the decision to be a bad person, I had never made the decision to be an outcast. I had never made a bad decision for the church to treat me like an outcast from the first time that I went. And I had been in love with God's word. I had been in in a working relationship with God. And the fact that I was treated with such harsh retribution for wanting to participate in Christianity with the church body... One day, my friend, my best friend, I went to my best friend's house and I was like, hey, it's church, you ready? And he's like, no, man, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done with that church. I'm done feeling like that. I'm tired of those stuck up people there. I don't ever want to go there again. And I was like, come on, man, it's not that bad. Like, it's a good place, man. It's church. And he's like, no, man, I'm really done with it. I'm really done with all that. I'm tired of dealing with those people. And I remember the conversation, man, with tears in his eyes, man. He was just like, I'm tired of those people, man. I'm tired of feeling like unloved, unwelcome, and just rejected. Like, and we weren't even rejecting the gospel. We weren't anti-Christian. We wanted to do good. But we would go to the church and they would treat us like trash all the time. Every, And the thing, the thing about it was... It wasn't just bad kids treating us bad. You see, the group of kids that were treating us bad were being accepted by the church leadership and then thrust into leadership positions over me and my best friend. So it was almost like the church was approving the stuck-up attitude that was degrading me and my best friend so when they would get into a position of authority they would abuse that authority especially over us and it wasn't fair because it was like hey like we we didn't do anything to deserve this we just wanted to participate 
in in the church functions in the church body and this is you know this took place before i really want to emphasize like i had not been a declared stoner i had not been a cigarette smoker i had not been a bad person i was just a regular person trying to be a christian and i was rejected for it and you know there were a lot of speculation too because i'm half mexican half white and the church i was going to was a white church and so i have speculation that it was because of my skin color i have speculation that it was because my parents were divorced you know, I don't know the entirety of the segregation that started that led to us being rejected the way that we were. And, you know, a large part, and it's like I can't even really blame the finances either. Like, it wasn't like we were dirt poor. We had places to sleep. We we spent the night at each other's houses. We all played video. We all played the same games. And it was just so awkward to be so heavily outcasted before I made any bad decisions. Like, the bad decision-making happened after the incident. And then when I left the church and was like, I'm done with this. God, how how do you expect me to deal with, be a part of this church when I'm rejected by it? So I left. I went on my own. With my friends, we smoked. We became stoners. We lived that life, the long hair. We smoked at everybody's house. We had a huge group of friends. We backyard boxed. We wrestled. It was we, we partied together. We drank ourselves to puking and driving the porcelain bus. And that was life, man. That was that was where it went until it got bad. And when it got bad, I mean it got bad. It one by one. Every person who was involved in my life, the years that I was outside of church was, I was manipulated, lied to, robbed, stabbed in the back by everybody I knew, including my best friend. I got stabbed in the back by multiple girls. Just, there was no... There was no honesty. There were, you know, it, it was like... It, was, it came all the way down to where I'm by myself. And, you know, it's it's funny because I hadn't made the decision to be Christian. I was completely a secular person. And I don't know what the requirement is to be a secular individual. But it, I don't know, no honor among thieves, no honor among friends. I don't even know how you guys do it outside of Christianity when I think about it because it just boggles my mind to think that somebody would refuse a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to be a secular person in a world where you don't, only your assets matter. Like if you if you had an iPhone like that or if, if you had a car or, you know what I mean? Nobody nobody actually appreciated me as a friend more than they appreciated what I could do for them. And that type of lifestyle was, I don't know, I could go to church and be rejected. Or I could go into the world and be a secular person and also be rejected. So it was like, well, well what, dang, what side of the fence do I belong on? You know, you got... So, 
but so I was outcast by all of it, and that's what leads me here to the Metal Chord Church, where this is specifically designed for people who don't belong. You maybe you don't like getting robbed by your friends in the secular environment. You go out to drink, and you get drunk, and then get and then your your phone gets stolen. You know, like I don't. You, you, you go out with friends and then they jack your phone. You wake up and you pay the bill at the bar. And, you know, I used to smoke all my friends out um, with weed, with cigarettes, with dope, with beer. Shoot, I, I, I was the financial party management. But what I found out later was that when I would go and smoke out with friends... I would be the only one smoking my weed with them. The thing that I found out later was that everybody who I was smoking with had weed and never put in. So the joke was on me. Ah, it might be funny. But it just goes to show, you know. Like the type of personality that that you want to reject Christianity. Christianity is all about giving to others. Hook a brother up who doesn't can't afford cigarettes, you know. Uh, I even so like even in my secularism, I sort of knew like doing good was was the cool thing to do. It sort of gave me a leg up. But in reality, selfishness is you shouldn't. If you're not a Christian, you shouldn't be giving because there is no reward for it. There's no. There's no best, you're the best buddy in the whole world, bro. I'll get you back. <laughs> if they're not a Christian, they're lying. They're not going to get you back. But as Christians, we hook each other up. We, 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 you know what I mean? It's not a burden because God sees everything. And when you believe that, then you can participate in that kind of a lifestyle, a giving lifestyle, where you can give freely and then you basically... You give, you keep giving freely, and it's like you're you're got this big empty field, and you're planting seeds, right? And you're planting seeds, and you're watering seeds, and you're planting seeds, and you're doing good, and you're giving to people, and you're hooking your friends up, and you're being a good friend, you're being there, you're giving rides for no gas money, and you just keep on doing that. Eventually, you're gonna have a field with crops that are growing, and it's gonna produce a harvest. And when that harvest is gathered up, pressed together. That basically what it what happens is all the good deeds you get smashed together, they put it through the processing plant, and then they make it good, and then they put it back in your lap. And that's why you you see uh, an anointed Christian way blessed. Like when you see the big house and the fancy car or the beautiful wife, you know, it is the it is the harvest that comes after planting so much good and the world doesn't see it like that they think if they give you they're expecting you to give them in return what they gave to you when you go out to the bar i i've seen guys beat each other up over 10 bucks because he was like i bought you you know i bought you a couple of drinks last time at the bar and the, and these two guys like beat each other up because 
he demanded that the other guy pay him back for the two the two drinks that he fronted the guy and it was like man bro like that's not how you you get a return <sighs> i got a whole testimony that i wrote out that i want to read to you guys just the development process in my mind and how and how it works but i'm going to do like four different series like this where you guys can uh, really feel like where my heart is coming from you know, I just, a lot of you don't want to give your life to God. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's too convicting. Uh, maybe there are things in your life that you're not ready to give up. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't believe in Jesus. Like, it sounds goofy, especially coming from me. Because when when you give your life to Jesus you get like the voice of God into your life. You read the Bible and then those words, they sort of take root in your mind. So when you're not reading the Bible um, and you're just going about your day, something inside of you will bring those verses to memory and they'll start to work, work out the problems in your life. And, I know that's true for me, but it is a process. And a lot of Christians who have been serving in the church for years and have digested the entirety of the gospel and allowed it to work out all the problems in their life, when they turn around and look at the people who are still in that lifestyle, there's they're, using, they're evaluating all of what they've digested and saying, you don't apply any of this to your life. That's why your life is a mess. When it, in, when in fact it took them five to ten years to digest everything, practice applying it to their life before they were able to see the fruit of their, of their process. And it is a process. If you want to, a lot of people make it through the entire process but can't be a loving, kind person. And, and, and that's the whole message. If you can't be a good dude, how can you even represent the gospel to begin with? See, anything without love is, is not Christian. And I know that now. Excluding people, making people feel like they're not welcome in a church, is that that's not loving you know when when people talk bad about each other that i called it mocking and they thought it was just joking around because they would always put put each other down one time the 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 college pastor got on the microphone and started putting making fun of and putting down somebody on the worship team and had the entire college group laugh at that person while he was on stage it was like the most horrendous thing I've ever witnessed in my whole life is the fact that somebody could be a leader in the faith and hurt somebody's feelings on stage getting ready to worship the Lord. It was devastating to me. And I I don't know if I, I could ever do something like that. But I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm just saying that we need to take hold of the fact that the Bible is about Jesus and it says 
God is love. And what did Jesus do? He came and loved people who were not worthy, who were being rejected by the Pharisees. Jesus was like, do what they say, but don't do what they do because they don't love people. And I think it's such an easy message, especially when you're just a real dude and you listen to metal. It's easy. It's easy to be a good dude and love people. It really is. And to think that we need a $100 billion industry to teach people how to love others is pretty ridiculous, to be honest. That you need to hide behind a, a fake attitude so that you can pretend that you're teaching the Bible when nobody really, nothing really takes root. And the ministry is, is sour. Man, is the ministry sour. Lord, help us. There's this pattern uh, in the church where you being a good dude, you've accepted Jesus into your heart. You're, you're on fire for God. You started reading your Bible. You got a Bible. You start looking good again. You start feeling good again. You start caring about your health. Now you want to get involved. You want to help out at the church. So you get involved and you start helping out at the church. And all of a sudden, the person over you who's been helping out for years is the most unloving, rude, selfish person you've ever met who thinks that they are better than you because... They've won the pastor's approval for that position. Man, it's bad. It's really bad. I don't think that anybody should be in ministry if they can't be loving. Like, that is that that would be it for me, man. I would just be like, um, thanks for your help, but we're going to find somebody else to do this job. Instead of allowing somebody... To grow really disgusting roots in a ministry and then allow that to basically spill over onto new volunteers that want to join the ministry. And, and, and it's hard to love others when we can't love each other. I think that's huge. You know, you just, we need to be able to love each other. And I don't mean love each other like in a gay way, I mean like care about each other, like. It's hard. It's easy to be selfish. But that's all I got for today. Thanks for tuning in to the Metalcore Church Podcast. Um, next one, I'm going I'm to read it. We'll get into some depth about some things. So nothing comes to light that you guys aren't aware of. Have a good day. And thanks for tuning in to the Metalcore Podcast.